Have you ever gotten to the point in life where you were just tired of all this? Have you ever grown weary in facing life's harshness or life's struggles, gotten tired of carrying the burdens that have come across your path? Are you sick of cancer and divorce and greed and dishonesty and sexual immorality and addiction? Have you grown to be exasperated by the continual onslaught of bad news and sin and tragedy and depravity? Do you ever hope for a day when your own personal struggle will be over, where you'll no longer struggle in this life against your own selfishness and unforgiveness? And anger. Do you ever long for a day of justice where evil will be punished and righteousness will be rewarded? Well, I've got good news for you this morning that as followers of Christ, we are people in waiting and victory is assured. Amen? Amen. We live expectantly, we live hoping for a day where our struggles will fade away. And the sovereign mercy and rule and grace of God will come. We hope for a day of renewal. We hope for a day and we believe in a day of mercy and of justice. And this day, capital D, that day, will be ushered in, initiated by a specific catalyst. The physical, bodily return of King Jesus. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to James chapter 5. And we'll look at verses 7 to 12 today. We're going to hear James teach us how to live with expectant hope in light of the return of Jesus Christ. But before we we begin, let me pray. Lord, I pray that you would guide us into this passage that your Holy Spirit inspired James, the brother of Jesus, to write to us, the church. Lord, give us insight. Lord, help us to intersect this passage with where we're at in life today. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory for it. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. James chapter 5, look at verse 7. It's an imperative, one of many in this letter. It says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's return. James is writing this to believers, and he encourages us to be patient, to endure despite delay, to wait diligently on something promised or expected. Now, it seems like James' command is connected to something said Previously, he says, be patient then, brothers and sisters. It's a responsive command. He's saying, in light of what I just said, respond this way, with patience. Now, if you were here last week, then you'll be familiar with this, but this is a responsive passage to last week's passage. Let me remind you, last week's passage was brutal. 
It was a warning against some rich oppressors. He was confronting these ruthless people. And he said, now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. He said, listen up, judgment is coming. And he brought an accusation against them. He said, look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You've lived on on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. So these rich oppressors, these wealthy landowners, had hoarded vast amounts of wealth by abusing their power and position. They had defrauded their workers with low pay or no pay, and they had oppressed others through unjust means. And many of those who had been oppressed, many of the afflicted, were actually the audience of the letter that James was writing to, these scattered believers around the Roman Empire, and they were suffering under these wealthy landowners. So he wrote this passage to the oppressors to give hope to those being oppressed, and that's the context for our passage today. James is now going to move from addressing the rich to addressing the restless. His tone's going to change from one of condemnation to one of consolation. He says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. There will be a day when this struggle, when this injustice, when this evil oppression that you're experiencing is over. So to the oppressed, he says, the Lord will return and avenge your cause. And he's speaking here about the return of Christ. Just in case you didn't know. Jesus has promised to return to the earth one day in the future in physical, bodily form. And then he will usher in the last days of judgment and the culminating point of human history. And for us as believers, this is a promise hoped for, and it is a day we look forward to. The New Testament has over 300 references to the return of Christ. That means that one out of every 13 verses in your New Testament mentions Christ's return in some shape or form. Like this reference from Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. This is Jesus speaking. He says, look, I am coming soon and my reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. He is coming. His Return is imminent. It could happen at any moment. And it will come with either reward or condemnation. So it's in this context, the the promise of the second advent of Jesus, the second coming, that James writes these words. Be patient. Know that the Lord will come and take care of this situation that you're going through. And James' prescription... Patience. He commands these oppressed, these afflicted believers to be patient, to live in hope-inspired endurance, knowing that the Lord will turn, will return. So practically speaking, he says, set a, your timer for a long run. Have a long fuse. Don't give up. Don't lose your temper. 
Don't get out of character. Don't take things into your own hands or throw in the towel. Have the right perspective guiding you as you endure the harshness that this life can bring your way. Be patient. The Lord's going to work this out either in this life or in the next. His prescription, patience. I don't know about you, but I'm horrible at patience. I was at the ball game yesterday. I wanted slim chickens, but I didn't eat because I didn't want to wait in line and miss the glory that was going on (laughs) on the field. I don't know about you, I don't like to wait. I don't like to be asked to pull up to the white square to get my food. I don't like to wait for my two-day shipping. (laughs) I don't like it when my internet download speed is too slow. I'm an impatient person. And it's even harder to wait for a biopsy result or to wait for an answered prayer or to wait for my immaturity to mature in the Lord or to wait for someone else's heart to change. Patience is a learned skill. It's an acquired attribute that is a fruit of hope for something different in the coming age. It isn't natural. It's it's produced with wisdom and experience. And what enables us to be patient in this life is the promise of something different in the next life. And for those of you with children or grandchildren, we're definitely not born with patience, are we? For a child, five minutes can feel like five months. And to wait for a future reward is virtually impossible to a child. Hey, I want to show you a video. It's called the Marshmallow Experiment, where a child's given a marshmallow and told if they won't eat it, then they'll be given a second one. I want you to see them try to be patient. Okay, sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you another one. So then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? All right. I'm gonna go do something and then I'll come back. It smells yummy. It smells really So I'm going to leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay.
How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? Yeah. You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you to give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. <laughs> Unbelievable. Patience is a learned skill. It's an acquired attribute. We're definitely not born with the ability to wait for a greater reward, yet it's a critical part of the faith. We are a people in waiting. Let's continue on in the passage. He goes on to illustrate his point. Look at the rest of verse 7 and on through verse 9. He says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. He says, be patient like a farmer. A farmer tills the ground, plants the seed, and then he waits, allowing nature to work through bringing sunlight and bringing rain. He waits patiently for the plants to germinate and then to grow and mature. And then after they bear fruit, he harvests. So a farmer plants and then a farmer harvests. But in between, he patiently waits. And James says, spiritually speaking, we're like that. We're people in waiting. Be like a patient farmer waiting on the harvest. Wait on the Lord's return with expectation. Don't lose heart when life is hard. Don't lose heart in suffering. Don't lose heart in persecution. Don't give up under affliction. Know that the Lord's return is near and he will judge fairly and he will reward or punish justly. So stand firm, he says. Be faithful as you wait. Stay on track. The Lord could come any day. You know, the scriptures do teach that the Lord is returning and they also teach that his return is near. Theologians say that it is imminent. It could come at any hour. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2 says that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It could come at any time. And our job is to be ready. Look at verse 9. It says, and while you wait in the midst of this suffering, don't turn on one another. Under the stress of affliction, don't pick one another off via friendly fire. I don't know about you, but when I go through hard times, I want to blame someone. And he says, Jesus is coming. Stay focused on him. Keep your eyes up. Don't look around to fix the blame on someone else around you. Live like you want to be found in the last hour, for you will be judged. Do you remember when you were in elementary school and the teacher would leave the room and leave the class by themselves? I have this one memory I can't get out of my, my mind of this kid named Elmer. And for some reason, he had a, a soft plastic fishing worm in his pocket. Maybe it's just because we grew up in Johnson County, Arkansas. And when the teacher left, he pulled it out and started sticking it on the ceiling. So he would lick it and stick it. And everybody was cracking up. And when the teacher walked in the room, Elmer was standing on his desk, reaching for the ceiling to get the plastic worm. And I just remember her going, Elmer! He turned around. 
the judge is standing at the door. And even though sometimes his invisibility currently makes us feel like we can get away with anything, this passage is a reminder. Live like you want to be found. Look at verses 10 and 11. Bring two more examples of patience and perseverance. He says, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. And then he brings up a third example. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about in his life. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. These two verses give our second and third examples of endurance and patience. First, we had the farmer. Now we have the prophets and Job. Look at verse 10. The second illustration of patience and suffering is the prophets. Prophets like Jeremiah or Isaiah or Elijah or Daniel, what they all have in common is they had to wait patiently for the fulfillment of what they prophesied. Now, most of these prophets spoke the word of the Lord during a time of suffering or discipline or calamity coming on the nation of Israel. And most of the time, they spoke their message with no result immediately. And then they suffered. Because in their stubbornness, the nation of Israel would turn on them for bringing a word of judgment upon them. And some never saw their prophecies fulfilled. They waited patiently their entire lives and then died with their prophecy going unfulfilled. Think of Isaiah. He prophesied that the the king would come to be born of a virgin. And it took 400 years for Mary to birth Jesus in Bethlehem. The prophets, they believed until the day they died. And some of them never saw their prophecy fulfilled. And some of those prophecies are still unfulfilled. They waited patiently. James says, be patient in enduring the harshness of this world, waiting patiently for the next age, like the prophets of old. And then he gives a third example in verse 11, Job. Job, he says, a man who persevered and was called blessed. Like Job, a man who suffered greatly, yet never wavered in his faithfulness to the Lord, endure through life's harshness like him. He endured through suffering. He hoped for deliverance, and the Lord showed him compassion and mercy. Last verse, verse 12. James gives another challenge towards being faithful as you wait on the Lord. It says, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Above all here does not mean that this is the number one attribute of a follower of Jesus, as much as it means that this is the culminating imperative of this section that began in chapter 4 as James wrote this sermon. Now, Bible commentators and theologians have debated whether verse 12 is really even attached to this section or whether it's a standalone verse. I'm going to teach it to you today in the context of the section, but I recommend take this verse one day this week and meditate on it in your life. Honesty is a virtue. Under the, ne- under the theme of how to respond or act under suffering and affliction, James adds to patience, And standing firm and not turning on one another, this challenge. Don't take oaths. Don't 
swear to bolster the perception of your honesty. Don't make hasty promises. Don't invoke the name of God or the Bible or heaven to get others to believe that you're really trustworthy. This is a very practical verse for us. Be honest. Be so consistently honest that you would never need to add anything to your yes or your no to get someone to believe what you say. Now, why would James tell these afflicted and oppressed believers not to take oaths? Well, it's very possible that James was coaching these believers to not manipulate their situation to get out of even more suffering. Don't twist or leverage your words to escape the injustice that's coming on you. Let the Lord do that. Let the Lord rescue you or bring vengeance for your cause. It's a call to faithful and mature living even as we go through hard times. Let's pull it all together this way. Christ's return calls for our patience and also our persistence. As we endure the hardships and harshness of this life, the injustices and the sufferings and the tough times of this world, be patient and be faithful to the Lord because we believe that that day is inspiration to live rightly this day. We live expectantly with maturity. I want to close the passage by showing you three sets of three that are in this passage. We've got three promises. We've got three examples, and I'll give you three challenges. First, the three promises. This passage delivers us three promises all about the return of the Lord. First, the Lord is coming. The doctrinal statement of Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas says that we believe in the physical bodily return of Jesus to this earth one day. We don't state how it's going to happen. We wouldn't presume when it's going to happen. I've seen the movie and read the books, but we don't know when he's going to come. But if you see Kirk Cameron, stay with him. He'll get you out of it. We don't know when. We don't know how, but we firmly believe that he's coming. Secondly, we believe that it's imminent, that the Lord can come in any second, in the twinkle of an eye, like a thief in the night. Matthew 24 says, keep watch, because we don't know the day or the hour, and be ready. He will come when you do not expect. We are in the last days, the church age. We are post-resurrection, pre-return. Then lastly, there's a promise that the Lord will judge. We will stand before the Lord and he will reward and he will bring justice. There'll be restoration and there'll be an accounting for how we live life. The passage also brings three examples. We had the patient farmer, the suffering prophet, and the persevering struggler in Job. Now, what's common to them all is they all have this costly beginning, and then they have this hopeful end, and they patiently wait in the middle. So like a farmer, like a prophet, we're called to be patient. Like Job, we're called to persevere. Theologically speaking, we live in the in-between. The in-between of the first advent, we're about to celebrate that and sing about it in December, and the second advent, the coming of Christ. The already and the not yet. Between this age 
and the coming age. And we're called to be patient and persistent. Lastly, the passage offers us three challenges. Endure patiently. I don't know what's going on in your life, but you may have whispered in the last few weeks, oh, come Lord Jesus. You're weary. You're tired of the struggles that life continues to put in your path. Or maybe you've experienced injustice and it's been unfairly treated in this world. Endure patiently. Know that that day is coming. Secondly, live expectantly. Be ready. That's the consistent theme attached to the return of Christ is be ready. Live with hopeful expectancy. And then lastly, respond faithfully. Stand firm. Don't turn on one another. Don't use your words to get out of things or manipulate this life. Just be faithful till the Lord comes. Christ's return calls for our patience and our persistence. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, many of us in this room were literally out of breath because of what life has pressed on us. So, Lord, thanks for this hopeful message the message of Christ's return. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would impute to us, that you would put in us patience and perseverance, that you would enable us to live faithfully till you come. Oh Lord, we trust you that you'll restore all things, that righteousness will win, and that we'll dwell with you in the house of the Lord forever. It's in your name we pray.